Well, it seems to me, as I reflect on the scripture I'm about to share, that Habitat for Humanity was a great pairing with the message that I've prepared for today, because our faith is one that guides us into leadership in the community. It's a faith that connects us to each other. And the ways that God calls us to change our lives connects us to the needs of the world. I invite you to hear the Word of God from the book of Acts. This comes from the fourth chapter, starting with the 32nd verse. The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, this is mine about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. The apostles continued to bear witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. There were no needy persons among them. Those who owned properties or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds from the sales, and place them in the care and under the authority of the apostles. Then it was distributed to anyone who was in need. Joseph, whom the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, that is one who encourages, was a Levite from Cyprus. He owned a field. He sold it, brought the money, and placed it in the care under the authority of the apostles. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. This scripture, however heartwarming, sounds like something out of a flower power, hippy-dippy commune of the 60s or 70s. At least it sounds more like something of that nature than it does the church we've come to know today. I often struggle myself, as we all do, with a sense of ownership in the church. It's something most, if not all of us, face in our faith. And I think a good example of this would have been Matt Headley's first Sunday here. He um, came and we were so glad to worship with him and Heather's wife and his children. We were so happy to have them. But I, the first thing I said to him the next day was that uh, I was irritated that he stole my seat for worship. I have my spot and Um, We all do this. We have family pews. We have small groups and committees. We have all kinds of organizations that we would really rather not change. It's something we struggle with because we're proud of the work we do in the church. We're proud of the many years of service that we've offered to our congregation. And sometimes that leads us to not really want to be replaced or to help others gain the skills to learn to do the work that's changed our lives. Why is it, I have to ask, that we have an easier time seeing something as literal or compelling in Scripture when we're seeing condemnation? When we see some sort of an act of condemnation, we're so easy to say, yes, that must be the Word of God. But when we see things like the generosity in today's scripture, we dismiss it as if it's idealistic and something that we're really not called to live into. We take the overwhelming generosity of the early church and we consider it as if it's exaggerated. That this early 
model of community life ought to be our aim. The way that the apostles shared all they had and trusted not only God but one another is compelling. It ought to lead us to change the habits we have, the ways that we connect with one another. This is why Christ taught of the widow's might, of an upside-down kingdom, how the last will be first. For it's common that those who have gone through seasons where they were without are the ones among us that are the best stewards of their resources. Those who grew up outside of the church often make the best evangelists. People who have stretched a paycheck to take care of themselves or especially their families, these are often the people that help us to have wisdom in the church with our resources. We're able to take their example and their leadership and consider how we ought to be investing ourselves as a congregation. All too often, we spend our thinking on more. We get infatuated with this concept of more. More can become an idol in the church. If we observe all that's possible with the many resources present here already, the gifts of those that are already gathered among us, instead we see the potential of what God is already doing among us. But instead of this, we are easily convinced that God will only work through this congregation if we had more choir members, more young families, more contributing members. We take the things that are present, the many blessings, the many people and their talents and gifts, and we consider that these might only help us to see what God has in store for this church if we can get more people or more resources. But how often do we stop in the church, consider the the gifts of what is presently with us, what God can do in the present state of this congregation? A church vitality expert was once well known for leading seminars that inspired congregations to make meaningful change in their lives. And it was This wonderful woman, she'd written books that had changed pastors and church leaders alike. She was invited by a weary congregation to come and lead a weekend seminar on how to bring new life, a new identity to their congregation. She warned them as they exchanged emails back and forth before she arrived that there was no silver bullet, there was no magical five steps to having thousands of people flock to their place of worship. And the leaders all said, yes, yes, we understand that. We know that. We're wise. But somewhere in the back of their head, they kind of were hoping that she was tempering their expectations and that she would, in fact, come with three steps, five steps, one committee shy. They they were looking for that one thing they could do to grow exponentially as a church. 
But she came in and having already shared this sense that they were there to talk about what the church could be, what church means, not what they needed to change practically, but what, what's the state of a healthy heart as a church. She came in a few minutes later than anticipated, and the church stewards had all set the banquet hall up nicely. It was a wonderful little place. There were, of course, great little snacks and terrible coffee, and they were ready for her. And she came in and said, I I know that all of you would like for us to just go ahead and get to the business of the day. You'd like for us to go ahead and start some lecture or or a dream casting session. But before we do that, I have a challenge for you, she said. She then revealed a tomato. And she said, I want you to break into groups and I want you to... Amongst yourselves, take guesses as to how many seeds there are in this tomato. She invited them to take as much time as they needed. I'm going to hope this doesn't fall and explode. I think I balanced it well. She invited them to take as much time as they needed to get their guesses right. And some small groups um, were, were acting as if it were a courtroom. They were hollering at each other and shouting about, no, I, it couldn't be that high, it couldn't be that, and they were just so built up, and they were debating it. Some imagined slices of tomatoes and cross sections, and she went around, and some groups were more and less interested in the exercise, and eventually the conversation died down, and that's when she started to gather their estimates. Someone said 50, and another said 1,000. Someone said there are no seeds in that tomato. And they took these guesses and she had to inform them that they were all wrong. She said, numbers aside, there are enough seeds in this tomato. There are enough seeds that I can save some to have a crop of plants next year. That of those plants, there will be enough seeds for me to share with my neighbors that they can have homegrown tomatoes, that they can have plants of their own. There are, in fact, enough seeds that all will be fed for many years to come. Hear the good news. God is already at work in the life of this church. May we all learn to have the strength of character, the steadiness of our minds and hearts to see what God can do with this group of faithful followers. May we aim to be as self-sacrificial and communally invested as those in the early church. Those who in today's Scripture are not concerned with how whatever new project is getting started will end. Not concerned with holding on to as much as they can and just trusting the church with a bit more of who they are and what they have. May we all learn to have hearts of loving trust like the apostles of the early church. I encourage you all to listen for the voice of God in the brief moments of silence you're afforded. 
Discover how your heart breaks for injustice in the world around you. Share these thoughts with others. Share about your hopes and your dreams, the ways that you think the church can impact this community. May you listen for the new ministry opportunities that are already present for you. New opportunities to join long-standing traditions in this congregation. And may God's Spirit draw you into a sense of generosity and concern for others. Would God make you vulnerable as you seek to be faithful to your calling as a member of this congregation? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the truth that there is enough present among us. There is enough for us all to live in and to share your grace with others. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.